Welcome to Community Coded, the ultimate podcast series for founders, VCs, and builders who master the art of community building. This podcast is brought to you by Threado, a community management platform that lets you drive more engagement, identify brand champions, and scale a thriving community with automated workflows and personalized messages. We're so proud to say that we serve fast-growing community-led startups like Notion, Mixpanel, Triple Whale, and more. What are you waiting for? Hit threader.com and up your community game. Now, let's talk about this podcast. Join us as we dive deep into the world of community building with some of the biggest names in the industry. Let's decode what it takes to build a thriving community. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Community Decoded podcast. I'm your host, Sharath. This time, I'm your uh, host with the bass voice. <laughs> I feel a little bit down with cold, but man, I love this podcast so much and I love talking to guests, so I can like, you know, skip this, even though I'm like sneezing and all that shit. Uh, but yeah, today I have, a, I have a very exciting guest with me, Crystal Wu. Welcome to the show. How are you feeling today? Hello. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm feeling good. Luckily, I'm not sick. I'm sorry to hear that you are, though, in this like lovely summer weather that we're having um but i'm good thank you awesome so before we recorded this call i thought like my background i don't know if you can see people who are like watching the video i thought like i have a terrific background and once crystal joined i'm like this she destroyed mine and i have to up my planned game i have to up my like you know many things from her so crystal probably like you know we'll do another episode just just on the home decor thing like where do you buy stuff it's so cool that you know you have a very you know very tight and like very colorful background <laughs> well thank you I, honestly i think you have a great podcasting background it's like just enough there um it's not overly busy where you're so distracted mine could be very distracting in that sense but thank you no no you, you're spot on uh but yeah let's let's get into the episode but before that for people who don't know crystal let me give you like a brief intro of her crystal calls herself as a community marketer which something i want to like unpack a little bit in this podcast it's an interesting term right like a lot of lot many times we blend both community and marketing not knowingly but i love that way the way you actually like personified that and she also uh previously worked for big brands like hubspot spotify open space and currently she leads community at zoom info so uh, that's all about Crystal, and I'm excited again. Like you know, I have some topics to unpack for you. I think, like I said, the first thing I want to ask: What the hell is a community marketer? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a good question. It's actually a very popular topic. I'm sure as you see in the community space of is community marketing, is marketing community. Right. What does that mean? And um, I kind of chose that as the identity because. I have always been in the space where I'm under the umbrella of marketing um, as a community builder. And I see that going like hand in hand really well with all the work that I've done across different organizations. Um, I know that there has been talk where we'd love to one day see, you know, community be its own lane in an organization like marketing is. It's not there yet, not fully, not full stream. Um, so the reason I kind of put that there is because I think a lot of the work that I do in community is community foundations with like a marketing flair on top of it, because at the core of it, 
I'm still activating a lot of different areas in marketing and I work still the closest with those teams. I'm creating content on the regular. I'm, um, you know, working through different campaigns that are happening within the community. I'm doing different, um, activations and onboarding pieces and stuff like that. And those have like the crux of marketing, um, entities. And that's why I think there's a lot of crossover there. I don't Mm -hmm. necessarily think, you know, community is a ride or die in marketing. I just think, you know, from my experience and the work that I've done, it's always been intertwined. And that's how I see myself as a community builder and as a marketer. Right. And you've also mentioned a very interesting point, which I have a beef with which is i think almost like 90 99 percent of startups even like in you know uh fortune companies if they have community communities like build most of them community falls under the umbrella of marketing by default and you mm-hmm. said absolutely true it's it's not there yet why do you think that and in, in your opinion what makes to go there yeah i mean i think um it's, it's actually interesting. I think companies could choose for it to be either under, I could see it be chosen under marketing or under customer success really well. Um, because I think there's an insane amount of overlap, but when it comes to this new identity, this new entity of community building and building in that space, the teams that you're doing to set up a community and get it launched, um, and, kind of help drive results, you're working really closely with marketers. So I think it's possible for a lot of organizations, they just see a natural fit to be like, okay, this is like another marketing activation of sorts. We're just going to kind of put it in that place. Um, I think a lot of it too is kind of how organizations see like social media. You know, I think that when social media was coming, kind of rising um, and becoming really popular, it was like, where does this go? Where does this fit? Who's involved in this? Um, And uh, I think that's kind of what we're seeing with community. I do think social media fits in uh, marketing though. I will say that. Yeah, I think, yeah, you're, you're true because uh, I, I, I believe that community is not there yet, meaning it doesn't have its own department or it doesn't have its own budget for, For a reason is because uh, a it's a pretty long game like for take take SEO marketing you buy a bunch of AdWords or you buy a you know write these articles you Google Ads like you know you that's so tangible I'm nothing's wrong there but you get quick results you know and it takes some time probably it takes social media you write a viral thread and you get like you know tons of followers so the movement is very quick in mm-hmm. certain you know things in marketing and social community takes a lot of time and you have to invest in people people has to invest in other people i think that's why you know we don't see uh promising results on paper for example right and but even then even when when we have startups like product hunt who proved reddit who proved back and back that community is a thing, right? HubSpot, everything is, uh, everything HubSpot has built is on top of community, right? Mm-hmm. Shopify the same way. So uh, there is a lot of signals and I feel uh, probably, you know, it's because the results won't fit in, you know, yeah. properly. 
but i feel it it is slightly changing as well you know uh, there are like tools that that bring these reporting up front and uh, give you hacks how can you build better results so we'll see hopefully like you know fingers crossed you know it'll get there and i feel like i'm i'm bullish on community becoming its own thing in probably yeah i i definitely um i definitely can see that down the road it's funny i lightheartedly make the analogy that community is like imagine you're going to move in with your partner so when you're kind of in the stages of <laughs> building community you don't just go hey i'm going to meet you guess what you want to get this place together now you know yeah. there's a lot of relationship building there's a lot of mm-hmm. like you have a lot of dates going back and forth you're building this report with this person um, mm. over a period of time to where you've built enough trust and information and understanding that you're like, you know what, this makes sense for us to move in together. Right. And then I think that's when you have the community being built, you've moved in, but that's not the end of the relationship. It's like, now that you've moved in, now that you've built that community, how do you build upon that? How do you grow together? How do you, right. um, evolve and expand your lives as more of, a like that type of relationship? So. I kind of see it like it, there's no way. I mean, it could happen. Some people do have that happen, but it's so rare. And I think that's what folks need to understand is you're absolutely correct. It's the long game. Um, and there's a reason there's a long game because once you kind of go through that, the results last and, you know, you can see with HubSpot, it just, um, it stands on its own. Community is just so powerful. It's it, it's the foundation of it. I think it's kind of like a, like just the way we have product market fit once startups hit that phase everything becomes an engine right you don't have to put a lot of emphasis or effort in certain areas mm-hmm. same thing when, once like companies start hitting community market fit and you know like people finding champions uh, champions bringing more people word of mouth spreading by itself and you know organic discussions happening meetups happening like you know there are chapters being built on their own. So I think that's like, I feel that's like the stage. Till then, it's a hard game. <laughs> I know. <laughs> After that, like, you know, yeah, it's it's kind of like, you know, it feels easy. Uh, yeah. But if, even then, it's still, I think nurturing part is still, I feel, uh, needs a lot of intention and effort. Like when I was at Product Hunt, that's where the phase I saw. It was like the nurturing bit. Mm-hmm. And people were like very intentional. They were very specific about certain initiatives. And uh, it's not about the quantity uh, anymore mm-hmm. at that point. It's like really encouraging the quality uh, at that point. But anyway, yeah. uh, you're, you're ups- I love that analogy moving in with a partner. <laughs> I love that so much. And it's, it's so true. Like, you know, it's not transactional. Like, hey, let's move in together is so uh, bad, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. You have to meet someone, you have to, you know, have some sort of like journey, you have to like go uh, do certain things and understand each other. And then we'll come to a point, okay, we, we make a, we make a call. So I love that. So my curiosity is one thing, how did you end up in this space? I'd love to know uh, what, what, what made you to like fall in love with community? Yeah, so the first role that I had like an actual introduction into it, I was in the social media community space. Um, and Crystal. so one of the one of the curiosities I had when I was actually kind of looking at your trending profile 
is that you started off your career as a social media person. You were more into like social media. And uh, my curiosity is like, when did you fall in love with community and how did you find it? Yeah, so um, my first role was the social media community manager, which was always a hot debate of does social and community really belong together? I didn't know. I had no idea. Community was such a early industry to me back then. And just in general, I was like incredibly difficult to find resources um, or enough resources to get a good grasp on it. But I think the one thing that geared me towards it most was that I loved this community part of it more than I loved actually the social part, the social media piece to it. Like social media is really cool and fun. And, um, you know, uh, I just think the ability to connect with others, develop those relationships, see them like play out long-term. I was at HubSpot for a really long time. So I got to uh, meet a lot of people and drive relationships like over that period of time, but also see the impact that it had. And it's kind of one of those things where um, when you see the success of others, it, it just, it made me feel like really um, like joyous, I guess, about the experience. So that's kind of where it leaned into. And then I knew that was the area that I enjoyed. That was like where my strong suit really held. So I, I really went full tilt into the community piece of it. And that's kind of where um, in my other uh, companies, like at Shopify, I really drove home into like, I want to be part of community. I want to do more community building. I went into the community building specific space. And um, now I'm actually in a role over a period of time that I'm actually managing and balancing a lot of that and doing a lot of social media, community and content. Um, so it kind of came full circle in a sense, but it's, I think for folks, when you think about like, how do I know I want to be in community? How do I know what I'm doing is like, what is like the realm you want to take? And I think community has been so flexible, honestly, with the type of roles, especially with the expansion of mm -hmm. um, the different niches that you can go into community operations, community engagement, strategist, um, you know, there's just so many different lanes. I think you can find what it is that you really like, but at the crux of it, it's like, um, do you enjoy creating a space for others where it's, you know, you're creating their tribe. I think that's the piece where um, it kind of just drove home for me that I wanted to lean into. And where do you, will you draw a line between, Hey, this is, I don't want to put labels, frankly, you know, when we are in startup and you're involved in startups, you have to pretty much do everything, right? Like even yeah. though uh, you didn't, you know, found it or you're not building it, you will tend to like play switch multiple hats. So apart from that, given like you know your experience in both industries and even content i want to cover that too but where is the line like uh and for people who are in your shoes i, yeah. I love interacting with folks i love bringing people together for those how do they like go from you know here to there yeah yeah it's um it's a really good question especially because i'm going to go back really quick to that social media piece of like is social media community or is it just like a following or is it just an audience and um there's stages of development is how i see it and that's kind of how i i've known i've made it to there being oh this is a community so the stage is essentially being we're starting out with a random group of people those are like the followers of sorts 
and now we have an audience because they're a target audience. They're like, okay, they're here because they're in a, they're in a general sense of what, what, what they're um, looking for in this genre, this interest, whatever it may be. And then um, it kind of goes through to a group. You have a group of people where you're like, all right, I think I find this interesting. I think, and that's like, that's like the entry hole into the community. You're now finding a group of people who are looking to do way more than anyone that's just an audience member, or a follower of sorts. Um, and then from that group, that's where you're developed that community. These are the people who, um, they're calling it their tribe. They're calling it their space of whatever the topic might be. Um, it's a place where they've built it into their routine of, I want to go, I want to come in, connect, get the information I'm looking for. It's part of their day-to-day -day experience. Like you go in, you check your email, a community should be something where it's like, you're going in and this is a place that you're having a dedicated space for activity. It doesn't mean you have to go in there frequently to consider it that because there's a lot of lurkers. To be fair, I'm a huge, I'm a huge Redditor, but I'm a lurker. I'm not really a poster, but I've been a Redditor for like eight years. It doesn't mean I'm not a community member. I'm still incredibly active. I vote on things. Um, I'll contribute when necessary, but I'm part of that space because I care about it and I'm interested and I get a lot of value from it. And I think that's where you, you know, you're leaning into it. So, you know, when you kind of sit here and you think like, if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I really like engaging with people and, you know, I love connecting and learning about them. And like, is that considered community? Is my job considered community because of it? I think there, there is the possibility it can be. It's how do you harness what you have? How do you take that and form something where it's tangible? For these folks, what can they get out of it? If they're getting something out of it already, you might be already having a community on the, uh, you know, at the palm of your hands. If, if not, I think um, there, there's opportunity there. Hmm. I love what you said about active members being part of the community, even though they are not contributing. You know, at least not actively contributing, but actively participating. Like they are part of community too, right? Uh, a lot, many people they just ignore those set and they just try to find out like you know who are really contributing to these posts for example if, if it's a discussion you know community of for example like a you know, practice so uh you worked in hubspot like more than five years if i'm not wrong and you started as a support specialist yeah uh, what was like the journey for you from going there you know being like uh, support you know, being part of the support team to like, you know, uh, probably I think you ended up like being social media community manager, which is, yeah. So what was like that journey? So the journey was not everyone's like this. And I completely understand. I went into that role with the mindset of, I want to be in marketing. I didn't even know community existed, but I was like, I want to do social media and I want to do marketing. I've got to figure out what I'm going to do to get there. And I started in the support realm some of the best times I had at HubSpot. And so like, I, I loved it, met some of the best people there. Um, and while I was in the support um, area where like, you know, answering customer inquiries, uh, I found out that we had a support handle on Twitter. And that's where like another area where we could help our customers. And mm. I put my hand up and I was like, I wanna be part of this. How do I, how do I help out? How can I be on that channel? Um, so I helped, be part of that channel. And then I eventually took over that channel and I was like developing content. I had no idea really what I was doing, but I was trying to figure it out. 
I'm like develop, and I'm still in support, mind you. So I'm developing content. I'm like, what's the most popular articles our customers keep calling about, and how can we best help them? And then as I was doing that, um, a role kind of opened up on the social media team, and I kind of, you know, with, because I was already doing social media in the support realm, I showcased my work there and made it into marketing social media marketing, and they had a role called community manager. I literally was like, what is this role? I have no idea what this is. I'm not even sure if they knew what it was, but they were like, we need someone to just talk. We need someone to respond to things. You've been responding. Could you continue that on our marketing platform Hmm. uh, side? And so, yeah, that's where I kind of took it, developed it. Um, I started with a few handles, and then I started owning all of their social handles in that sense. So, um, yeah, it was it was a journey, but it was great. Yeah, awesome. And as a community builder, what are some best practices that uh, you want to share for people who want to do support only communities? Because community of support is slightly different. Yeah. From community of practice. There is a community of hobby. Like those are all like kind of like spreads out in their own way, right? Yeah. Support. It's more like. I need to like it's customer service at the end of the day, right? In a way. So, in yeah, in your experience, you you want to share like some of the best practices community builders should focus on when they do support. Yeah, um, I mean the number one thing that comes to mind is to be as accurate as possible because when it comes to support, you are there to to solve a problem. And whether that's you being the problem solver or you being the gap to find where you can problem solve, be as accurate as possible with gathering information, specific questions to ask to get as like detailed as possible and then be very direct when you're trying to source that information. I think that was the biggest piece. Um, And then the other aspect to it is it's definitely not like a marketing community in the sense that, you know, sometimes it's, you can, I don't need, I don't want to say you can't not have fun because you can, you can have fun. I think it's more like, um, it's a different persona you are putting on than you would in the marketing or just the community realm. Um, and I think it's people are coming to you. Um, a lot of the times in a support community because they have a problem, but going into that with the mindset that they're not always the happiest. Whereas if someone's coming to you because they're so interested in something, you're usually super happy and they're curious and they're intrigued. And uh, it's being able to balance problem solving, um, but also understanding and having empathy for your customer. Hmm. Hmm. And any, uh, any strategies that, that come to your mind build around support like uh, any like see I think what I want to unpack is support is such a vast like it's kind of like its own ocean right mm-hmm. uh, do you have like a system or framework that uh, that you practiced like this you know I'll respond to like you know in five five minutes less than five minutes there's there should be like a metric that you achieve in by solving someone else's problem especially when you're in support is there like some sort of system that you play? Like I use Zapier, these tools that help me like respond well, uh, automate like, you know, a few things. Did, did that like something that you did or it was more of like grunt work, uh, hustling, uh, attending like every chat, 
uh, every everybody who's like you know having some sort of trouble yeah oh man i'm like thinking back which was like years ago mind you this was years ago when i was in support but i we did not have it would have been so nice we did not have auto responders it was mm -hmm. truly like me and maybe one other person that was on the team responding to every single inquiry every single dm there was no um zapier to like figure out if they said this who what did they go to all we had was actually this could be a good tip would um we had a spreadsheet and in this spreadsheet we had um top common questions that were asked and resources wow. based off that and then we curated our own responses for some of the most like in insanely common you know mm -hmm. type of requests um so that was kind of our method was use that copy paste and go. Um, but no, we didn't, we didn't have that back in the day. And that would have been very nice. I'm sure that's yeah. extremely common now because I know a lot of tools that do have that very much built in, even if for just community monitoring tools, but, um, yeah, it was the grind. Whoa. I didn't like, <laughs> what a journey. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I feel, uh, I also feel like you have to, you have to taste that end too, right? Like in a way, uh, because if you don't, everything is coming to you as like someone is spoon feeding you, you don't feel that heat. You know what I'm saying? Like, especially in support. Uh, so I've built this tool called like a SaaS product called Shoutout, like on the side while I was working all these jobs and I was doing support. I was doing like product, pretty much everything. Right. Mm -hmm. And I used to face a lot of heat if, on intercom if someone like you know posed the question and i didn't respond for like like less than three hours you know it was like hey man i'm paying i'm paying for you for you for this tool why are you not responding so it becomes like you know yes, uh, yes. That exactly like the response time and you know the way you handle things you know how kind you are yeah. the person, even though they're like mad i feel those things really really like talk to a friend like you know you don't have to talk from a founder's perspective or like even from a from a support specialist perspective just talk to like another person right like right. have that human conversation i used to always ask uh whenever someone you know comes on intercom to me i was like how's your day what's going on how's life you know yeah. like make it make like a fun conversation even though they want like immediate you know result mm -hmm. or immediate solution yeah. Uh, it always eases down. I feel like some of those things really will help, uh, especially when you're, you know, what you said, the grinding is like, you know, <laughs> is the right word. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like, you know, back then too, we, I think that there was maybe three people um, on, that were kind of working on the Twitter and we had folks in different time eras so we could kind of cover all of our business hours. And, um, I do remember that, like, you're just kind of flipping back and forth, responding as much as you can. And the way that we would make it more marketing focused sometimes, or just actually scratch marketing, more community focused than just support focused is that, um, we would have monthly meetings where we would come in and we would say, what are the most talked about keywords about our product? And how can we help like resolve that in our conversations with our customers or like what are the knowledge gaps that they have and how can we present that? Could we work with our product team to be maybe doing like an AMA on Twitter right. Um, right. or like some kind of activity that helps address those extremely common questions for, um, for the folks. And it was, 
it was mm-hmm. wild. It was fun. Yeah. It was also so, um, it's so busy. It's actually a very demanding job. So folks who are mm-hmm. in like the support community space, your job is demanding physically. You are constantly monitoring a million different things. Um, mentally, because you have to be able to remember and store so much knowledge about the company, the product, that customer that you're talking to, or the four customers you're talking to at that one time, what's coming up in the pipeline and being prepared for like ways that you can help solve for it, um, the different resources to access. It's it's actually quite a bit. And and the last piece of it is you have to do it in a certain time frame. Like you said earlier, you were talking about you know, how many inquiries you respond to in a certain time and support, you have to be fast. You have to be, you have to be agile the entire time. And it's, uh, it's a job that's so necessary, honestly, because it is what customers are expecting these days. Like even like our generation, we expect and we hope for good customer service. And that gives us some level of um, trust to a brand. Yeah, gone are those days where people used to like wait you know, a lot of times, everybody has such a short attention span. Everybody needs like, you know, hey, I need the solution. You know, no small talk. Let's get into it type of a thing. Yeah. And I, I think to your point, I feel every community builder should uh, experience the support side of it, of any startup, because that's where you get to really talk to people, right? Like you get to understand how they're going through and if they're like your users. Mm-hmm they're very important to you, right? Like, you know, so you, you have to develop this, like you said, the, the empathy bit. Uh, and the more you talk to them, the more you, you kind of like give your chance to build that empathy towards them. So uh, I love that. I love, <laughs> it's a grind, you know? I, I love what you said about the, the grinding and all. Uh, talk to me about your experience at Shopify. I want to understand I think it's not like a social role. It's more of like a like full full centric on the community part. How did you like you know uh, manage that role? I think you worked there for a, more than a year, if I'm not wrong. It was like you know working at Shopify, especially yeah. with the creators, like with these SMBs, like different sets of people who are using Shopify. Yeah, um, moving over to Shopify, it was the role was very much like the crux of community. It was the first time I was breaking free of that social media role, actually. And it was more building community for um, customers on Slack. So that's where I was like introducing into the into the Slack space specifically outside of all of the other social media roles. But um, at Shopify, my biggest focus was creating communities for our customers um, so they can have different conversations, um, specifically around the shop app and better understand how to use the shop app, different tactics and strategies and approaches that they can have takeaways from, but also, um, how to drive close connections with the product team. I think that's where I was very much introduced to the product relationship and the community relationship, um, because it was a constant, um, cycle of working with the product team to figure out what's coming out in the pipeline. How can we best educate our um, customers in this space that are dedicated and really interested and want to be part of this beta um, intro and close the loop around not only the education piece, but the questions and feedback and implement that as needed. Um, So yeah, I worked there for a little over a year. It was great. I think um, the audience, you know, with HubSpot, I was really working.
working with like the marketers, the salespeople. Um, I think mm -hmm. with Shopify, it was a fully different audience. I mean, you're working in e-commerce space and then not only was it e-commerce, but then I was working specifically in the shop app realm where it was around um, a mobile app. So it was kind of like, how do you serve mobile app users, mobile app customers oh. and brands on that space as well. Um, and the customers that we worked with were brands. They weren't even the consumers. Um, mm -hmm. So it was really like, how do you build a space for people in a brand, which is, mm -hmm. it was a whole nother challenging, um, but like super eye opening. And that like, I, I, it was, it was amazing. Like, I don't know how to explain it other than I'm just really glad I had the opportunity because <laughs> it helped diversify like your audience and the community. Cause a community can be anyone. And it's just like, how do you know how to tailor it to the needs of the people who um, are looking to be part of it? Yeah, I was about to ask that question. You know, you specifically mentioned about brands, right? Like how is it in your opinion, uh, building a community for consumers different from building a community of brands? Uh, and what 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 are the key factors that uh, that people should pay attention to if they're in this space, like you know, building a community for brand space? Yeah, um, it's a really good question. I'm. I think with consumers, you have a wider pool um, because consumers are already going to shape and have that level of interest with a brand behind a brand is more than one people. And it's who are the right people behind that brand that are the right fit for this community. You know, depending on the community type, maybe a marketer is not always the best person. Maybe it's actually somebody in the engineering product space, depending on the community type that you have. So you really have to like, um, you have to narrow down who your target audience is for this community and who you're solving for, like, especially when it comes to a brand community and then being mm -hmm. able to tap into a brand community, you have to think of a lot of factors. Um, because if you're having multiple brands in a community, uh, you have, you can have competition oh. and it's like, how do you handle competing brands, even though they all want to be in the same space and have those types of conversations, how do you handle that? Um, some outlets and factors that we considered was, um, you know, some groups were private based off discussion. Some groups you either had like, a, you know, them sign like an NDA, um, to keep that information, um, safe and secure for everyone in that space. Other times, um, it's just, it's just the acknowledgement of everyone's in this group. Like, here's a list of who's in this community. Like if you would like to be part of it feel free to some companies opt out and it's completely normal and natural. And I think they understand why others opt in knowing, okay, this other one's in the space. Maybe I'm not going to say everything, but it is like, they're actually more interested than you would think to be in a space with their competitor because they love to get a sense of, you know, what are they thinking about? What, you know, what problems based off of their industry are they occurring with right now? And mine was at the height of COVID. So it was like nonstop conversations about what's going on with shipping and handling and um, customer orders. And how do you do that with warehouses when it's in a time of COVID and no one's around? It was, it was a lot. And uh, so one thing you mentioned in, in, in this call is that it, even though it's like brands, but there are people behind the brands, right? So you have to cater. Mm -hmm. uh, 
you know their needs and i'm just wondering when you build a community around consumers yeah uh, versus like you know this piece bringing community for brands how do you de- how do you define like a brand voice or the community voice what what are some steps people should look into it's a good one um i think it depends on the type of community you're establishing so for example if you're creating like in my case it was a product community um so in that realm our voice was very focused on the educational aspect of what what should you know coming up about this product um and we made sure that anyone that was part of the community that was a brand was part of the product realm because it was the folks who were going to make the most sense they were going to understand the the language and jargon that we spoke to help solve their needs mm-hmm. uh i think the other case would be true if you were in a support community for brands i think you need to have that support approach um where you're kind of leaning towards how do you help solve problems in a support case for brands of people who are working in customer success in those levels right uh but it's i think it's around like the, the community identity that helps shape your voice versus like any generic voice for a community and what what was like the the community is like is it like on slack or yeah is it on, it's on slack and uh my one of the curiosities i have when you, when when you onboard like a brand i i have no clue how do you do that like <laughs> in these consumer type communities we know there is like a welcome flow you welcome personally like some of them the, the individual person because he's he or she is showing interest in this community right yeah. and you talk to them as a person there is a human connection and yeah. when it comes to a brand is that the brand is sending like one poc or is it like multiple people that interact with you how how does that like you know yeah there's um it's a really good question and i'm trying to think about it at the top of my head but i cannot but there's a feature in slack that you can actually add brands um to your slack um space that you have like private private channels yes private channels like that um but uh you would invite the individual person and they would come from that brand so like if you work at that company and you have a slack we're inviting you from that company to come over and it's like becomes a private space so it just shows like Jessica from X company or something like that right right oh that's interesting and how like how do you avoid this conflict do they have like are they part of that public channels what kind of initiatives you did uh for the community of brands at Shopify first of all is that is engagement even like a metric for you what's like your success rate like what how do you measure success when when in terms of community for brands yeah so one of the bigger success pieces because it was a brand was um definitely the volume of brands that were part of that community we had like a goal and a threshold and we wanted to make sure we reached that goal um then the next piece to that was the level of engagement um we did i i'm trying to remember don't quote me i think it was weekly or biweekly um private webinars for that community and one of the biggest goals was the success of um attendance for that um for that webinar and then the other piece to it was 
um, our follow-up survey. We did a survey to ensure that like, were these the topics you cared about? Um, did you actually get the help that you needed from this? And should we do a part two, part three, whatever? Um, so that was our biggest driver to get a good sense of, is this community working? Um, our brand staying retention was also another one, a uh, big piece. And mm -hmm. if they're staying, how do we get more brands in that could help fit in and like we see a need. So I would partner a lot with folks in our customer success team to be like, has there been any brands this month that stand out to you that are like obsessed with our product? They can't stop talking about it, using it, whatever. Um, and then I would take those brands and I would meet with them privately first. And I would kind of communicate what this community was about. And if they were interested, then we would get them on board. Mm, very interesting. Yeah, I feel like it's a slightly different, uh, different edge of the sword, I would say. It's, yeah. it's, it's partly, you know, uh, you have to adhere some rules, like again, the conflicts, and you have to like also fulfill uh, their needs, uh, the support for them and whatnot. So it's slightly like, you know, different from, I think you have to let go of you uh, traditional way of uh, building community, like commun some strategies and you have to like invent according to them probably, right? So love that. Uh, I, If I remember it correctly, I remember you posting on Twitter that you know, there was this layoffs and you were part of it, right? Like, I still remember that it's, you know, that moment. And man, there were like tons of people. I even probably I, I was, you know, supporting you as well. Like, you know, showing, sharing these job opportunities and whatnot. How did you feel when people like, you know, coming forward and like approaching you? What was like, what was going through in your mind? Yeah. Um, well, I'll say, um, for the folks listening, I was actually laid off twice in less than a year. Uh, and it was, it was tough. I think one of the, it's the first time it's kind of like, it, it takes like a hit to your ego, you know, a little bit. Cause you're like, what could I have done better? Like I was like, I, what could I have done to save myself? And at the end of the day, it's nothing about you. It truly is a numbers game. It's so well beyond like you, your manager, your manager's manager, you know? Um, but the set, the, the sense that I got and the comfort that I received from folks reaching out, even if they didn't have roles, but just to offer support or acknowledgement, it literally helped like lift me up. I think um, during those times when you're laid off or you lose a job, you are feeling very low because your job is your financial security. And when you lose that sense of it, it's it feels like a literal piece of you is crumbled. So, I am eternally grateful and thankful for everyone that I have ever met in this space that has reached out, offered support. Some people even were like, I'll review your resume. They were like, um, yeah. I'll help like, you know, promote this if you need it. Like, what can I do for you? And um, I don't forget that. Like every interaction, I've never forgotten it. And if I've ever seen somebody in my space where um, I was close with, or they reached out to me and they went through that exact same thing, I'm like, drop all things. What can I do for you? Like, how can I help you? I know exactly where you are coming from. I know that feeling. Um, and I know right now you probably need space and support. And like, what can I do to offer that? Um, so it's just, it, it helps reciprocate that. But it, right. to the, that community piece, because tr people treated me that way, it's like I amplify it even harder. 
And I don't know if people that I've done this to amplify it even harder on their end. Um, but that's the trickle effect of community. And like, honestly, that's why I'm in a space because mm. it's so rewarding. Mm. I love that. And yeah, you know, that's why Twitter exists. And I still love Twitter, despite all the things that, you know, it's going through right now, the turmoil and everything, but it still is probably the best platform for people who wants to create serendipity for themselves and others. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I still, I still, you know, I, even I did the same, like when I was actually switching jobs, you know, put a thread, why should people hire me? And like, there were a bunch of people, Hey, you know, you do this, this, and, you know, we support Sharath and, you know, all that. So that, that kind of like togetherness is really tight. And that's the blend you're talking about social and community, right? Mm -hmm. It kind of like, you know, blends in within each other. Uh, without like, if not, we, if we go into details, yeah, everything gets like, you know, its own thing, but just on a general level, uh, that's how social and community like, you know, blends. Yeah. Uh, it, this is one of the biggest surprises to me <laughs> when I was like so going through like, you know, your LinkedIn, HubSpot, like B2B consumer, Shopify, brands, consumers, how the hell you ended up in open space? That's completely like, like a different spectrum. I know. Uh, you're not the first to ask or, or, the, or probably going to be the last. Um, no one knows open space, um, is uh, a company that sells construction software, like AI right. software to help map out, um, floor plans and, um, you know, construction builds. So folks don't have to write it down all the time on a blueprint to be like, did they put up drywall? You know, they can put a camera on their helmet, walk through and go through it. Um, and there were actually a couple of reasons why I chose it. Um, one, I was actually introduced to it by, um, someone I know in the community space. And I remember kind of thinking it over and I was like, construction software, what is there's no way I'm, do I'm doing construction software next. Um, and then I kept thinking about it and I was like, HubSpot was a pretty, it was a decent sized company when I joined, but then it got really big. I went to Shopify. Shopify was massive, the biggest company I've worked at so far. Um, and I kind of was like, you know what? I've never done a startup. What is a startup like? Um, and my biggest seller was my manager at the time. I mean, when I interviewed with her and I literally walked off that interview and I was like, I would work at this company just for her. And I did. Um, she was a, she is a phenomenal community leader. I still am connected with her today. She was the head of community at that space. She built that community from scratch. And then I, as it was kind of going through the stages, um, it launched. And then a few months later she hired me and then we kind of helped take it off to the next, to the next level. And I learned a lot from her. I still learn a lot from her. But I wanted to, I, I knew in my point in my career, it wasn't just about mm -hmm. the product or anything. It was like, I, I want to be able to be in a space with another community person of how can I learn from them? How can I like help develop something even further? Cause I built communities from scratch. I this community was already built. So it was like, how do I, how do I move from there? The, sure. The persona was a lot of, um, about mm -hmm. the folks in the construction industry that I had to get up to speed with. Um, but I knew I was comfortable doing that because the other growth opportunities aligned for me. Hmm. And what is it like 
that is different from open space to other other uh, companies that you worked that you you were you spotted and you kind of like have to adapt to it um well nothing was flushed out it's a startup um so you know i kind of went in and i've been so used to there being like processes and like red tape and you know there was none of that it was like oh just do it and I'm like, there's no layer of approval. They're like, nope, just do it. So that was really nice. I felt like I could move insanely fast because we just did it. Um, I felt like there was a lot of closer collaboration with teams. I was connecting on a weekly basis with almost every team in the organization, sales, product, marketing, customer success, operations, um, even strategy, because it was a small company and I knew the ins and outs of all of these different swim lanes, which helped us make the community so much better for like our customers and the prospects at the time. It was I, like that one piece to be that close. I don't think I'd ever be able to get that at a bigger company just because there's more than just that one lane. There's like four different lanes in that lane, you know, and it's like, who's the right person to talk to it at the time. And, um, I think that was the biggest takeaway. The biggest difference is that I could see the turnaround and the driving results for our community. A lot quicker and how did you manage so this is something that I also dwell for myself uh, this this thought about if you are part of a bigger brand like Shopify uh, you're pretty much like you know you don't have to sell uh, the brand you don't have to sell why the value like people can get at that point it's all about living to the expectation mm -hmm. and either living to it and or exceeding to it right and for companies like open space which are like early you know when you join you have to live to the expectation but you have to also set the expectation so how how did you manage that like how did you selling is the wrong word but at least how did you pitch someone to like okay you know join us you yeah. get benefit so what was like the whole process and how did your manager the the, the person you really Kind of like you know is the reason for you know who took the job like helped both of you like how did you like figure that out yeah so um brand awareness was our biggest factor because uh, you know small startup you know they're trying to make sh a name for themselves in the um space that they're in and the one thing that we knew that really connected well not only with us but mostly with our customers is that we treated the community like a piece of the product we were like, you sign up for the product, you also get the community with it. Um, mm. Because you do sign up to the community through that as well. And there, if you sign up through it as a customer, you actually get more access than a non-customer. Um, mm. And we kind of treated them equally to help our customers um, get a full holistic understanding of how do you use our product, what is it, and what is the mission of it. Um, through all of our community events, I mean, the events, there were so many events and games and um, webinars and activities, like it was, it was popping. Um, so I feel like uh, we just had to do what we can to help make it an all-in-one package versus a bigger company, it serves as its own entity because there are so many customers that understand the product or so many customers that are using the product um, you know, adding on another thing sometimes can be really overwhelming. That's very interesting. I love that. I think I never heard, uh, 
well lot many startups they or the for the founders they say hey check out the product we have also a community and it kind of goes hand in hand but this is something new and where did the community reside is it on again on slack or uh, when they sign up do they get like a slack invite i'm uh, would love to know more about that yeah it was a forum so they would have to go to it's like a, you know community.openspace.com website um and the forum is where it like housed everything mm i love that i think i think you can do it as, on slack as well right like you know make community as part of the product i love that that offering mm-hmm. uh i think we should try it too uh i just just i'm just getting some ideas <laughs> no worries uh, and what did you find the most difficult part in work, when working with open space like um i mean i knew everything not everything but i knew most things when it came to community so i was very knowledgeable going into it for that but i knew nothing about the construction space i was mm-hmm. walking in fully blind like i i knew nothing um luckily uh, my manager at the time she actually worked in the construction space and then came into mm-hmm. the tech space to build the community so um her knowledge of the construction industry my knowledge of the community industry we just like meshed together and it was like yin and yang was perfect i love that i think you have you found like a perfect partner i guess you know more than i think that like i said that that entice you to like you know take up the job and let's switch gears a little bit and let's talk about uh, the content we covered social media we covered marketing yeah we almost like covered like the community building part of it and then in, in zoom info you said you you you, t- you kind of like you know switch hats f- about all of this but i want to understand uh how should one community builder think about content it is so overwhelming right like if you bucket in a way that you have to create content every day beat mm-hmm. on social beat on like for seo whatever it is right uh yeah so i want to i want to learn from you about how you think content plays a role and what's your frameworks look like when you you know either develop a strategy content strategy for example uh, for company or for 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 the community or for the whole you know zoom info yeah um it's a really good question i think from a community perspective when it comes to content it's different than a typical marketer and i say that because it's incredibly overwhelming for community folks sometimes to be like now i have to create this whole content plan i have to like execute on it i got to get it out and drive engagement blah 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 um i think the one piece that community builders have over other types of roles is that you have the ability to flip the switch instead of thinking about what content can i put out it's what content can i help my customers my partners um influencers in the space drive that we can partner with and that type of content can go a lot further than just an individual piece that you put out and that's the relationship building aspect of it so um you know sometimes people think i'm going to put out three pieces of content a week just like full example here um in my community i think focus more on the prompting asking your community to um get a sense of do you want to drive conversations who's really active 
in the space? Can we highlight this person, you know, community member of the week, of the month, whatever it may be. Can we get more community members to connect with this person? Because at the end of the day, people are, are really at a community because they want to be around people of that similar mindset. They don't want the same person telling them what to do every single time. Uh, so you just want to be able to balance what are you putting out that's valuable to your members, but also how can you uplift your members to help them put out the content? How can you help them um, shape the discussion and be part of the content strategy that you are like implementing? Oh, I think it's muted. My bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just, you know, so into your answer, I, I didn't even see that. I'm. Okay. No, uh, so I like that, like that answer a lot. You basically like strategize with your community, and you see what they react to, and you know, you also like pick people, brains, kind of like brainstorm with them, and come up with those ideas. In your opinion, is uh, do you put like success metrics for these content? you know, experiments, if yes, what are they? If no, uh, like, how do you even measure the, the, the effort you put in for, for content? Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely measure them and put them out. So first thing I do is I label what type of content am I putting out? Uh, so I get a good sense of what the content variation is like. Is it a question? Is it a video? Whatever it may be. Um, and even if they're experiments, I still measure them in a sense to say, did this experiment um, succeed or fail? And if it fit, like, I don't care if an experiment actually fails, if anything, it gives me more learnings. So I'm just willing to try. And that's what I like about content is I'm just going to try a bunch of things and see what sticks. Um, and sometimes that can take a while and it doesn't feel as um, structured as like a regular content calendar, but I think it's necessary because your content um, is going to adapt to your audience. As your audience grows, you can't do the same content every single time. You've got to kind of seed out why are they be, why are they joining the community? This is why onboarding is so important because it gives you a good understanding of why are they joining? What are they trying to get out of it? The problems they're solving, your content can solve for it, that type of thing. Um, so yeah, success metrics becomes around um, the content types, uh, I, because I work in community, but I also work in social in that space, um, I focus also on content pillars. So these pillars kind of align to different um, key factors or key takeaways that I want our audience to get a good sense of, whether that's around the product, whether that's around featuring our community, that type of thing. I think at the end of the day, I measure based off of ensuring that there's a balance and mm -hmm. ensuring that the content is resonating. And it might mean that, you know, even if the content's only getting two likes, two likes out of a post that's not getting any likes, something's resonating. And I want to know what that is. And then I'm going to take that piece and then we're going to reformat it, put it out as a different piece around the same subject, maybe give it a more niche topic see how that sticks. Now it's getting four likes. Okay, maybe the format's not working. Should we do a video? Is a video explainer better? Now it's getting 10 likes. Okay, so our audience is visual learners. 
They like short form content and incredibly niche content. That's what our basis mm. is to go off of. Hmm. I like that bucket system because you know then you are very clear to a specific niche, and all you have to do is like double down on what really worked. Mm-hmm. And I think this applies very well for audience building too, right? Like I think community and especially the social the content piece. There's a lot of similarities, you know, when you build an audience, when you build a community, it's the same. Uh, yeah, I have one one last question before I wrap up the episode. What are some things that you're doing completely differently at Zoom Info that you've never done before at Shopify, HubSpot, OpenSpace, you know, like entire your career? Yeah, um, at Zoom Info, I am running a team. I think am I so that my biggest difference is at my other at the other companies, I was always the builder. I was the person creating mm-hmm. and executing, and now I'm leading a full team, and I'm trying to balance a little bit of that, like, how do I execute by why also how do I help um, my team grow? And so I would think that's my biggest um, difference that I have. Uh, mm. And I genuinely enjoy it because my team's amazing. And I'm very like, I, I love the work that we do. I love that everyone's so creative, especially now that we're on threads. I'm obsessed. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So you hopped on the, on the train. <laughs> Hop on the train, check us out. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's so fun and it reminds me of like what social can be without all of these limitations and restrictions and you know we, we're in the we're in the fun phase before it becomes like how do I implement this as a strategy and I'm the one that would be implementing as a strategy and I know all those memes um, so I do laugh with a lot of my team members and we kind of just go like let's just put out some fun stuff that we think like you know could stick we don't know what's going to stick we have no idea so we're trying a, dump- a ton of different formats to see what's going to work um, and then we'll kind of review at the end of the month and see what's going on awesome and do you f- do you miss being uh, being on the ground because I think your role is more of I feel right now is more of strategy uh, delegation, like, hey, well, let's plan this, let's execute, let's measure, you know, we learn something, we move on, or we double down, right? Yeah. Uh, do you miss that part where you, you get your hands dirty, like, yes, you know, <laughs> that's, that's, how, how do you feel about that? I, um, when it comes to community specifically, I very much like to be like, so hands on. Um, but I also love, you know, I love watching other people figure it out and Mm. I love watching them, uh, have their success moment. Uh, you know, when I was young, I like really young, I always wanted to be an elementary school teacher. It was like my ride or die job. So teaching has always been one of my biggest passions Mm. and influences with things. And when I get to see my team get that aha moment, I think to me, mm-hmm. it's more gratifying than me have going in and just doing it. And I kind of had to learn how do I pull myself out because I have been so used to it. Um, mm-hmm. But man, the, the, that, that return of satisfaction is like, that kind of makes me feel like, oh my God, was that me when I was doing it? Like, did I, did, did someone look at me and be like, she had that aha moment? <laughs> I think you remind me uh, of this movie Cars 3. I don't know if you saw, you know, the Pixar's Cars series. In the last one, uh, 
the lightning mcqueen the the you know the main character right he always feels like he's the one who should do things right and then he realizes that teaching others and especially i don't remember the the yellow car character but it almost feels like you're passing the baton to someone to like okay figure things out you learn and you you find it joyful in a way right so i i can kind of sense what you're saying because i'm also kind of partly running a small team uh here at threado and it feels like parental in a way because you know you, you pass these lessons and by passing those lessons make you also figure out like okay what what am i have to you know convey next in you know strategy and all that so i can relate like what you're saying and it's a it's a very uh joyful role i would say you know managing a team delegating it and up, uplifting them when they're down like sharing the, all the all the lows as well as the highs right so it's kind of like a journey so i'm glad that you know you're experiencing that and yeah before we wrap up do you have any closing thoughts um any closing i don't have any closing thoughts other than this was a great conversation and i feel like they were really good questions so i'm glad you asked them and um yeah. i hope this is insightful in any capacity to someone um if it's not please respond why or like what else you wanted to know but um yeah i felt like that took you through a bit a journey of like what my career was like so far and yeah. uh the community social content space and um where i ended up so you too can also yeah. you don't always have to start to be in community to stay in community you can start somewhere else and you can weave your way in um yeah it can be as non linear as you you know as it can be right like you don't have to plan these things you just you know follow the dots and probably like look back and wow okay uh i think your first you're you're a perfect example right your first role at hubspot you have that support or even like you know early early in your career you have that social angle now you're basically like you know putting it out in a much authoritative way so uh everything connects everything compounds that's what i believe in you know i, I even that's my job like i want to unpack these uh either unheard stories or like uh, some insights from community builders like you and so that we can inspire at least one out there who, who are listening and probably be a reason okay crystal did this i can do do it too right mm-hmm. so uh that's the whole goal and i hope again you know for listeners if you feel inspired that's all that's all that matters to us and i i think uh, you know let us know what you think about this the whole episode and the whole podcast as well and yeah crystal you've been amazing guest so insightful I I still love the way you put him to building is more of like moving moving in with a partner. I love that analogy. I love I'm a big big sucker for analogies. I I kind of like, you know, Same. hunt them. So I love that and thanks thanks again for being on the podcast. Love love having uh, a conversation with you. Let's you know, let's keep building these communities and see where we go. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was a ton of fun and Um, I look forward to hearing more community folks on this podcast. Absolutely, yeah. That's what we are trying to do and uh, stay tuned folks. We have amazing lineup uh, ready for for the rest of Q3. Uh like July, August, September we have packed guests like Crystal. So, yes, do subscribe and give us give us give us feedback what you think about the podcast and yeah, we will be keep, keep it rating and 
doing this for you so stay tuned and uh, thanks for tuning in cheers <laughs>